0: Welcome to the Farcast here at Shadron State College. I'm coming at you from behind a little light bulb. Daniel Binkert here with Alex Helmbrecht, my co-host. And we're talking to Travis Hensey today, at the who's a teacher at the Shadron. i got to check this. Shadron High School. Correct. Are you also teaching at any other of the other schools here? Not anymore. Okay. As of this year, I'm full-time at the high school. Okay.
1: So we hired somebody to take over the elementary, for first time ever, elementary art, and then middle school.
0: All right. Good. I wanted to double-check because I seem to remember... Uh, yeah. Uh, Travis, tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you decide you wanted to be an art teacher?
1: Uh, so born and raised here in Chadron. And so when I graduated high school, I went to the next logical spot across 10th Street. Sure, sure. Got an art degree. And at the time, if you asked me if I wanted to be an art teacher, you know, have the backup job plan, I would have said never. In fact, Miss Moore, my art teacher in high school, said that I was one day going to take her job. And I said, never. i oh, not, yeah. not going to do that. And so I n- never had any interest in teaching or being in the classroom working with kids. Just was outside of my frame. Um, and it wasn't until working upward bound here at the college, oh, yeah. I just needed some extra money, so I did a part-time gig doing their summer program. And uh, I ended up really loving working with the kids. I found out um, I could do that same creative design work that I love so much when it comes to lesson planning. And um, it Targeting it toward the the student was really fun for me. Yeah. So, doing that for a couple summers, I ended up going back to Shattuck State and got a teaching
2: degree. Yeah. So, how long did you help with uh, Upward Bound and teaching the art classes there? Uh, that was four years. I think I want to say my first year was in 2012. Okay. So
1: I stopped two years ago. So, yeah, four years. Went to became a real teacher, and then did it for like two or three years while I was a
2: professional teacher also in the summer. Okay. Yeah. Well, and you're also a professional artist, and you've done some 2D. Trying and, to be. in 3D yeah. pieces. Uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about um, what have you done in the past, and, and what are you currently working on? Um, so in the
1: past, I made a big shift out of college when I went into um, trying to make it. A lot of my stuff is really graphic and ex- inspired by French kind of Art Nouveau styles, a lot of line-based design work. Um, And then I don't know why, but when I had to do my first show, me and Chance Welch, one of my best friends, he now lives up in Rapid City. um, We did this show, and I didn't know what to make, and I just started putting together paper, like getting old books and putting paper together, and I started to fall in love with collaging and just intuitively working from the paper texture. And so now I have these, like, almost quilty scrap pieces of paper that are just cobbled together. And then I draw on top of that. They're usually landscape based and I did no landscapes in college. So it just came out of nowhere. And I think that's when I started to find my love for the area. And that's what I'm trying to talk about is growing up here, staying here and that cycle of history and family that Goes on when you stay here. You know, these stories of places in this area, and those stories are older than you are. You know, your grandpa talks about that hill when he was a kid, yeah. and you know that story as part of your own story. So that's what I'm trying to explore. Great. Um, and then I, what I actually had some pretty good success with that. Um, and I was almost went to grad school in Fort Hayes, uh, and then last minute, probably mostly on gut, but also because my housing fell through, I just ditched out and then traveled a bit more um, and then tried to just see if I could make the art thing run on my own Um, and did some, like they do these juried shows all around the country and you'd submit online and I made it into a couple and I made it it one in Omaha at the Fred Simon Gallery and that was like the perfect space for my art. They have these really cool stone walls and my paper was all old and you know, falling apart. So I had this really nice textural um, analogy to each other. It was great.
2: it nice. Is your art on display anywhere in the region that people could yeah, see? Or so do you have a website? I have a website, travishensey.com.
1: Pretty easy. Um, and also Chance Welchel. He has a gallery up in Rapid City. He frames a lot. best framer up in Rapid yeah. City. And uh, he displays my work, and it sells pretty good up there. So I'm going to keep sending him stuff. Um, I just sent him two pieces this Saturday to frame um, and he has shows going on right now. he's got a painter up there, Tom Thorsten. I want to say, okay check out, but yeah,
0: cool. so what does the future hold for artwork for you? Are there any styles or techniques you'd like to explore over say the next five or ten years? Uh, any bucket list items?
1: Yeah, so when I was wondering before I made the teacher jump, right. I was wondering what how to make this art thing work and what to do with my life and i went down a rabbit hole of metal point drawing so actually drawing with silver wire right and i never quite integrated it into my mm-hmm. actual art practice it's always just been a thing i played with and so just recently i finally did a silver point drawing that i'm going to exhibit and we'll see how it goes but it's, it it's interestingly interesting to me i talk about like time and memory and that okay. silver point it tarnishes over time. It turns brown and transparent, which I,
0: as a material I really like that. pulls into the essence of the theme. Oh yeah, seeing that patina on things yeah. as that forms. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that.
2: It, are those the same... Has Don rulu R- yeah. done that before? I went, yeah, yeah, that's what I
0: thought. Mm-hmm. That was, that's the one where you can end up with really, really fine detail yeah. in the lines. Yeah. I uh, was in Sioux City at uh, um this place, they have a bunch of artists that share a space and work mm-hmm. out of, and there was one of the artists had had that on, on the wall, and I just, you know, you can look closer and closer and closer and still yeah. see more detail if the artist has done that. Yeah. It, just fantastic.
1: And you can work up those layers, kind of like oil painting and glazes. You can do that with drawing. Draw a couple layers, let it tarnish and become transparent, and then draw new layers on. Oh, great. So that cool effect, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, well, Travis, you've mentioned teaching a, a couple different times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a few years under your belt. What's that experience been like? You know, talk about it. Oh, it's, it's a roller coaster. So I
1: did my student teaching up in Rapid City, and I felt extremely prepared to take on. It just, like, boosted my confidence I like, can take on this full-time, no problem. Um, first teaching gig, that was not true anymore. All my experience was with middle school and high school. And then my first classes that I taught as a full-time teacher were kindergartners and first graders. Oh, yeah. So that would there went the plans, you know. (laughs) There I'm trying to think on my feet and didn't have much practice doing that. Um, High school I did pretty good and um, middle school was okay. Um, So it's just been a learning process, kind of carving down what I think are the plans that work and then tossing the ones that don't. And so now I'm... At Shadron, this is my third year, and I'm, I think I'm to the point where I need to start complicating things again because of what I've done and
2: used is working well enough that I can, you know, test myself and challenge myself again. What, what are some of the things that you that you teach the students? I'm trying to think back to my high school art class, and it was like vanishing point things and, oh, gosh,
0: How do screen, you, maybe screen printing. How do you take, like, composition principles that would apply to, say, a high school audience and boil it down for a elementary audience, or is because I'm drawing the same blank. I think that you are. I yeah. can't remember art classes yeah. in elementary school.
1: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> a complicated just all question. These, like, memories coming oh, yeah. of trying to do these things, and well, we're trying something new. Sure, yeah? we're drawing perspective <laughs> <Yeah>. boxes today. <laughs> um, at, like kindergarten first grade is mostly about just discovering discovering how to use the materials, mm-hmm. and that goes. In ways that will surprise a new teacher. So, one that comes into mind is I was teaching them how to use charcoal to draw, and I turn to help a student, and I turn back around, and three of my students. I don't know where they got the water from, but they had discovered that you can mix water in charcoal <laughs> and then it, it makes a pretty strong paint. And they were literally covered from fingertip up to their elbows in black. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I guess we're just going to go with it. We're going to learn how to use wet charcoal. And so I, I, talking about composition, I think, is a little too... Um, right. What Cerebral,
0: I guess. I don't know.
1: It's a good point. Yeah, yeah to we extract for them. Mm-hmm. We're the materials yeah. first. And, and young artists, they're pretty good at composing images anyway. Just like, give me something to mark make with, and I'm gonna yeah give you a picture, and I'm gonna tell you three different stories from this one picture. You know, that's pretty fun. So they're way stronger visual communicators than my high school students are. Just partly because being told that writing and Talking is the right language to use versus drawing could be. So that comes into when I teach my intro classes at high school. Right now I'm just trying to build that confidence um, with visual communication. How can you feel okay just drawing a person and telling a story with that? Great. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like rediscovery when it comes to the high school level.
0: Uh, Travis, what are some of the other ways you engage with your students during class? And uh, we also have a note about you're you're a student council advisor. How does that kind of thing tie into um, working with your students? So
1: as a student council advisor, what I'm trying to do now is just make it a thing because I was in student council as a kid and it was just like concessions. That's what you did. Okay. You wrote it on your college resume and scholarship resume and uh, – you were on student council and you just made popcorn. Um, So now we're trying to make it an actual um, event causing committee. So the kids are generating different beyond dances. What are we doing? We started doing halftime shows, new interesting ways to raise money that people actually want. And so that's fun to get the students generating ideas, which is something I do in my classroom. How do we generate new ideas that have value to our community? Yeah. Great. Um, And so while I'm at it, I don't get paid for these, but I've also started a meme team at Shattern. So it just takes a very ironic look at high school clubs in general. Um, For instance, we don't have a president, we have a self appointed supreme leader. (laughs) And he just makes demands upon his subjects. Um, And that's morphed into like a Dungeons and Dragons. Club too, and then we have an anime club that they're really gung ho. Yeah, they really want to go to Comic Con as a group, and they're oh, yeah, like, there you go. I'm all hands off with that; I just watch and kind of facilitate. But they're they're making some moves to make that happen. It's pretty exciting.
2: How many students are
1: involved in these groups? So in the meme team, <laughs> and I think they like it this way. It's like maybe three and <laughs> Those three are related, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, in the meme or the anime club, there's reliably ten students that show up. Sometimes more, sometimes oh, that's less. Great. A lot of them are also in speech, and the speech has a lot of requirements as far as practice goes. And so they have to get excused from speech to come down
2: to anime club. But that's awesome. Well, any I mean anything yeah. to give those students some type of outlet yeah. or, or a sense of community. That's huge. Yeah, and and to
1: have that community in the school because online you can find community anywhere, just mm-hmm. but to get that outside of your bedroom and outside your device. Is yeah, I so nice to have
0: face-to-face.
1: Valuable, yeah. I didn't have that. I was a weird kid in high school, and liking anime, I would have just been by myself, you know, so to have a room full of 10 other students yeah. that
2: liked it and we could talk about it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another community in Shattern is the music community, and, and mm-hmm. you're also involved uh, with that, in addition to being an artist, uh, talk a little bit about your time as a musician.
1: So I played bass guitar since I was 15. Um, Sean Marie Dillinger was our was my guitar teacher, bass guitar teacher. Um, she taught like half the town how to play guitar, or fiddle. <laughs> um, and the way Sean taught was she wanted you to learn how to play so you'd actually go and play songs in front of people. She wanted you to be able to jam, and that's what she gave me. And so starting at 15, we were playing in the gazebo at Earth Day and things like that, and that morphed into starting bands when you're 16 with your friends in a garage. Um, and then going even more serious in college, we had a band called Emblem Exits with Kent Kelso, who used to work here, um, Alex Keller, who's now a mailman in Chadron, and... Um, We played pretty seriously for three years while being college students. Uh, We're kind of signed. We had a three-song demo that we put out ourselves, but then stamped our friend Marty Lastovic as a record label on it, so we called that being signed. That counts. That works.
2: Uh,
1: And then those were in the heydays of Javon Mays when he was doing the open mic, which we're trying to keep going. It's nothing like it was back in those days. Like You might get 15 people in the audience, Mm -hmm. but... So we're, me and John and some other community members, especially older community members, which I think is fun. They're musicians. are coming in, like Don Folk is coming in, and plays ukulele and does really nice songs. And yeah, it's, it's just nice on a Wednesday night, um, middle of the week, have a nice little break and listen to some some of your friends play, even if they're the same song every week, just to get out and you know connect at a musical level all right and where are those open mics usually is it the bean broker Bean broker yeah we're supposed to start at seven but the way sean and i manage our time it's usually we start setting up at seven thirty, and then we're <laughs> playing music by eight so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and geez sometimes they'll go till like they're kicking us out because high school kids have started showing up with their bands it's pretty fun so I think we're starting to get a new music scene. I don't know if we'll ever get it back to the
2: heyday where the, it was standing room only in there, but we're trying. And, and what type of music is being played?
1: Mostly folky stuff, um, country. You get the the student, a college student or high school student that just got a ukulele
0: for Christmas, and they're doing like Jack Johnsony sort of stuff. So, sure. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, so, Travis, kind of a double-sided question for you here: inspirations, both on the art side and the music side. Who, who are a few people that that you look up to, or have have um, shaped the work that you're doing now? So,
1: I think when I talk about it, I made that shift after college, and just thematically, I think Andrew Wyeth was the number one just the texture and his thoughtfulness with the material and putting in the time every single day to just do it. I think looking at his pictures taught me a lot. Um, And he could just simply just the grit and the depth of the texture in the scene and the story going on yeah, and still having this abstractness. Like it's not just about the realism, which I feel like happens a lot when you're focused on technique. It's all about the realism and that looks like a cow, but there's something else going on abstractly in the concept in his work. Okay. So using both the technique and, um, heavy on the concept and the story beyond talking about life in general, no matter who you are, I think, Andrew Wyeth is probably number one on the list. Okay. And then more contemporary, Anselm Kiefer. He does super textural work. And like when I talk about the, my interest in patina and silver point, he uses lead a lot in a really like magical way. I feel to him, that weight of lead has a symbolic meaning. Okay. So he uses it a lot. So I, The way he thinks about material is something I've started doing too. Uh, as a musician, I don't know, it's all over the place. Um, I was raised, or the reason why I guess I started playing bass was Blink 182. Me and my friends wanted to play in a band. One guy had drums, one guy had guitar. So I was left to be the Mark Hoppus and play bass, <laughs> which ended up good for me, and I fell in love with it. So I guess poppy punk stuff um, will always be there. But then Getty Lee, as a bass player, who, their drummer, last week, he died. But Geddy Lee as a bass player is really influential
2: on me. Okay. That's interesting. You mentioned uh, Blink-182. I'll never forget when I was in the hospital room waiting for my son to be born and my wife's in the bed no one had slept and Good Morning America was on television and Blink-182 was playing on Good Morning America. I remember talking to my brother and I was like, I'm officially old because Blink-182 is on Good Morning America. (laughs) Absolutely. We made it. (laughs) But but for, and I'm a little bit older than you, but for guys of our age, like Blink-182 is definitely kind of that three-piece band that that a lot of people who are interested in music really looked up to.
1: Yeah, and I finally got to see them in Sturgis a couple years ago. They played up in Sturgis and it was so disappointing. It was just, the wrong venue for Mm. playing Queen 2 the majority of people are not like 20 some things 30 some things that listen to them in high school you know older bikers and Mm so between each song they do their revving thing and Mark office was like up there okay I guess we'll start the next song because we won't (laughs) Do the stage banter that I used to love as a teenager? Right. that have that really vulgar stage banter that him and Tom DeLong would do back and forth, and just couldn't do it because the motorcycles <laughs>
0: bad.
2: <laughs> so I was bummed, but whatever. That, that is unfortunate. <laughs> I I have not had very good concert experiences in South Dakota. I don't know where it really, that is. Yeah. 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 Hmm. Oh well, nothing against the great state of South Dakota. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I've actually had some pretty good ones at the smaller venues,
1: like a VFW and things like that. Really intimate. You know, you have the random punk band that's trying to pick up another show on their way to Montana. Sure, or and sure. And there's some really cool shows there. Um, Titus Andronicus I saw it in there once and just it, that was fun because it was like a two um, room bar. There was one huge area for bingo and it was packed of like veterans and senior citizens yeah. doing <laughs> mad bingo. And then on the other side were all these hipsters and punks just like selling out all the Schlitz and PBR. And <laughs> And it was awesome, and and they, everyone got along. They had yeah. to order from the same bar, but everyone got along. And where was this? That was at the Tria, um at Eastern end, like not
2: quite the valley, but over there, yeah. Huh. Titus Andronicus, a band you may like, Daniel. Um, I'll check them out. The uh, they kind of mix art and music. Yeah, they have. Um, I know they have one really great record called The Monitor about the yeah. Civil War oh, submarine. Yeah, yeah. Yep, and that was a tour they were yeah. promoting that album. Very interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, so speaking of interesting, let's talk a little bit about this lamp from the Binkard Personal Collection. Yeah. Um, you made this. So, I did. Yeah, that's awesome that it's here. But how did this piece come together? What was your inspiration for it? Uh, is it part of a, of a larger body of work or part of a series? It was a series, but more just a way to get myself
1: out of a creative rut and, like, just give myself new problems to think about, three-dimensionally, new materials. I've taken a lot materials-wise from that, like working with copper because it patinas, you know. But really what it started with is my mom told me one day at Sunday dinner, I want you to start making lamps. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it would be no. cool if you use some of our old copper pipe because my parents—they have a plumbing shop here in town, so I have some copper pipe that they just let me use. And it's like okay, and it took like three months before I actually started, and I was just grabbing blocks of wood that I found laying in the alley, cut them up mm-hmm. into interesting forms, and you know, laying materials out side by side, and just eventually the, the design would come out. Um, so I ended up six. Or so lamps. Okay, I did but mostly it was about just how do I use new things and try to make a product that does something. But most of my work is just flat. You just look at it, you know, it tells a story. But these had to have a purpose. They had to look nice. Completely different problem than when
2: whatever I was trying to solve before. I'm always interested by that, and it, it, maybe you could talk on this too. Like when, when you take because yeah. your your photos are. Like it's an image and people see it and I have one response to it, but you as the creator have a totally different response. And so like hearing you talk about the idea came during an innocuous dinner with your family and you have these, you know, this inventory of copper pipes at at your mom and dad's business. It's really interesting to hear that backstory, but then also is there like, um, like this is something you created. You work time on. You put a lot of time into it. Is there a kind of a detachment from it now that you've created it and it's into its second life artistically? Do you kind of see what oh, I'm? Oh yeah, yeah. To?
0: And I, I get that more from uh, the work I do here at the college because I'm creating a product that it has a certain purpose and it has a certain lifespan. And so, yeah, I, I personally have to disconnect from it. Sure. That yeah, I'm, I still have you know the pride, the pride in the creation of it, um, the satisfaction that it's being used well. But at the same time, it doesn't have necessarily that personal connection. And it may be that a similar idea for this that this is almost like that idea of a commissioned work for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so
1: I, at the time, I was a designer. I did like logos and stuff. And so is it, it also thinking about the end user that you know, yeah. em- empathetic design, thinking about how that user would use it. And I don't, have, to, as an artist, you don't necessarily have to do that. Mm-hmm. If, if you're really brash, you could say it doesn't matter if my audience gets the message or not. I'm doing I, it for I, me. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but as a designer, you have to make that switch and consider how it's being received. And so that was part of the problem for me. Uh, when it comes to liking them after the fact and getting detached from them, I can't stand to look at stuff that I've done. So when I sell pieces, it's really good because of the money, but also I can count on never having to see it again likely. Um, when I have work that doesn't sell and it stays in my house, I usually end up destroying it and then iterating on it. So like those scraps will become, or that artwork will become scraps that I can then recobble into. Mm-hmm. it. So it's kind of like that Um a tablet, like a palimpsest that just keeps layering and layering and building that history and that memory just through being worked on. Why why do you think that is? That's a really good question. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I wonder. So my parents shop we spent a lot of time there growing up you know my parents worked there my grandparents had it before that and um great-grandparents had it before that so there's a layering effect and growing up there and just the way the place is built like you can see layers of paneling and stuff and just whatever they had around in 1950 is what they made the walls out of and then you think about it used to be a bar before that and it's kind of shoved in between these buildings and that shop is really important to me for some, I made these lamps there um, and just looking around the space and seeing all the generations of people that have physically put that place together, even way before my family had anything to do with it. When the alley, well in the room that, is the place we store some pipe and fittings for boilers and stuff that used to be an alley between the buildings you Hmm. can imagine like in the frontier days there's cowboys back there just you know hanging out and and now it's where we store stuff it's the layering there i'm getting back into i just love stories of the family the same stories that get told every thanksgiving you know you roll your eyes you've heard it a thousand times but they're still fun and interesting to listen to especially when you know they're morphing every single year yeah (laughs) yeah it's living history. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I do like the idea that, you know, as much as I hate to think, well, throw this piece of work out, even though you're not, you're recycling it. So yeah. that's a positive for yeah, sure. It
2: never really goes away.
0: Yeah. And I assume stories within stories within stories.
2: Yeah.
0: Very nice. Um so talking about kind of the history of the plumbing business here, but your connection with the community of Shatter, and you said you've grown up here. Mm-hmm. Stuck around. What's the draw for Shadron for you? I don't know if it's a draw.
1: I've been other places and I'm not drawn. Okay. And when I'm here, I feel right. And there's qualities about places. So I said I went to almost went to grad school in Fort Hayes and I was really impressed in the way that town, which is about the size of Scotts Bluff, embraced the arts. Like they had a biannual art event downtown where businesses would open up and artists could display their work. And I thought, this is really cool. I want to move here. And then then as I was was driving back, I came to the realization we could do that in Shadron. There's nothing that Fort Hayes is doing, that, or nothing special about Fort Hayes that Shadron can also do. So then I just started to make the flip that if I feel right in Shadron, then I should just stay there and make the place what I would like it to be.
0: Yeah. 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 It's inspiring. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Small steps. I don't think oh, I've sure, made a huge sure. impact yet. So <laughs> well,
2: it takes time. Yeah. 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 Um, so kind of in that same vein about the arts and in, in a in a small town like Shattern, um obviously there are the the big tangible things like Art Alley and, yeah. and then the the musical things like open mic night, but what else is there? Where where can if I'm a new person into town and, and someone says, Hey, talk to Travis Hensy, he's kind of your go-to guy for the arts, what what do you say? Wow, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> you know my name already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just moved here. <laughs>
1: What do I say? I would probably,
2: man, what would I tell them? Maybe what I just said. Hard alley yeah, and open mic. Night. Somehow
1: people find open mic. So it's on the radio and people show up there. Mm-hmm. In our alley, we're trying to make it a place that people can find Anyway, I, I guess when I think about making Shatter in the Arts community that I want, and this may be a total cop-out. I just want to be behind the scenes. Like when it comes to our alley, I really, really am happy with Gabby McNa taking everything over. She's a wonderful face, great with people. And I just want to be the guy making things happen in the background. So when they come to me, I would probably have the same blank stare,
0: like when you just ask me
1: (laughs) hypothetically.
0: Yeah. Um, What would you like to see uh, to help grow the arts scene in Shadron? What's next for us as a town?
1: It would be nice if we could keep the art alley going. It's kind of hitting some rocks right now. Okay. getting some paintings approved and finding the space to make that happen. So it would be great if we could get more community um, buy-in on that, especially because every, everything, everything is volunteer. The time, materials, everything. Yeah. Um, I would also like to see... Ripping off that Fort Hayes thing and letting businesses display work, and I, I, especially the college. If yeah. We have this, what they call the 10th, 10th Street Wall that separates the college campus from town. It'd be great if we could figure out a way to get those artists' work out in town. Mm-hmm. Um Even more so in my high school students, I think that the college students' artwork should probably take some priority over that and being displayed because they are already making the effort to be professional. And I think we need to give them opportunities for that. Oh, sure. Couldn't hurt. Because if you're not into the arts, you're very unlikely to go to Memorial Hall and Mm -hmm. visit the gallery. And even if you are, you're probably not going to make it like I am. And I have to make a very conscious effort to go there. Um, but if it, it was out in the town, whether in murals or just in businesses where it could be displayed, that would be nice to see.
2: Yeah, if you're in for a an eye appointment and you see some really yeah. interesting landscapes painted on the that are on, hung on the wall, that'd be yeah. great. I, and That's a good idea. So Grand Visions,
1: I would also like to start up a, an arts council where it's
2: artists getting together and making
1: things and maybe a space where they could do that, a shared space where they could do that. I really miss college and that community of critiquing like – Daniel and I went to art school together and just being able to see each other in Memorial Hall and talk and bounce ideas off each other was really valuable. Mm-hmm. I think I made some of my maybe not best work, but I was definitely more productive than ever then because you just had to be and you had ideas to bounce off. There's a little bit of a competitive element going on there. And so if there is a way the community could create that, because there's a lot of people that make art and do creative work around here. And if we could get a group going that's
0: organized, that'd be great. And I, th- I like the idea of it being a, it's cross media. It's yeah. not just a photographer's club or a sculptor's club. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. You know, you and I work in very different media, and and it, it is great to see what what's what's going on in that area that's completely outside of mine. But yeah. what inspiration can I take from that?
1: And do you remember Scott Roberts? Yeah, he was in the theater department. He just moved back, and that man is wild. And mm-hmm. he. Just got into making his own musical instruments, and he, every single day he's making something that I've never seen before, and that has me very anxious because I'm not making anything, and he's out there just cranking it out. And so now I feel like I have that energy yeah. again. If I could expand that and have like a weekly or monthly meeting where people get together and just show what they're working on, that'd be fun.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. So are you buying in? You I'm know? buying okay. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. And know it can't hurt. Yeah. Um, so I think let's say that uh, excellent discussion though. Yeah. So we got some quick hitters for you, quick questions. Uh, a, a favorite creator, whether in the music world or the art world. Favorite creator. One of yeah, not not necessarily the absolute favorite, but yeah.
1: Linda Berry. Um, she's a comic book artist. She's also a teacher. She just won the MacArthur Genius Award. Okay, Talking nice. about flare pens, she is all about flare pens and, <laughs> nice. and cheap composition notebooks. Um, I rip off her lessons all the time because they're really good at just getting people to make marks on a page and then tell a story with them. Um, so I would say definitely Linda Berry, check her out. She's really funny comics. If you're a teacher, she has some great work that you can use if you're trying to break people out of a structure that they're feeling in. Like, I'm not creative is a common thing I hear all the time. Well, we, I don't care. Just
0: we can get you there anyway, mm-hmm. you know? I like that. That yeah. I, It sounds like that idea of just getting something on the page because yeah. I know if I'm, I'm going to try and doodle. I want to doodle something. What am I going to doodle?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you overthink I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> okay, Travis, what about a favorite art movement? Art Nouveau.
1: I'm... Um, Gonna go with Art Nouveau, uh, and just tying in the arts and craft because they're kind of the same thing. Um, bringing, bringing back the artisan and the craftsman as something that's special and and the thing. Like talking about the lamp that that was a handmade thing. That you, when you look at it, you know that it was made by someone with some skill and talent and time was put into it. Um, and I think that might be just a, my own reaction against mass market commodities and stuff. You know. I'm trying to shop for a house right now and I I have to break my idealism when I go in there because, you know, I just see laminate countertops and I should be okay with it, but I'm not because I'm an artist and, I you know, I want these things and I can't afford them. But So I think the arts and crafts movement and Art Nouveau, just bringing back the value of that person, that maker.
0: Right. Yeah. First concert you attended, or maybe first concert you played, I, did you... Uh, Your choice.
1: Uh, First concert I played, if we ignore like first grade Christmas program. Yeah, those (laughs) don't count. Those don't count. (laughs) Uh, It would have to be the 15 years old Earth Day with Sean Marie at the Courthouse Gazebo. First show I attended was Newfound Glory back in the Blink Line 82 days in Rapid City at the Rushmore uh, Civic Center, whatever they call it. I was kind of out of the pop punk and newfound Glory scene when I went to that show, but I loved it anyway. Um, And they had Reggie and the Full Effect, which were kind of a meme of the poppy punk scene. They sprayed fake blood out of a toy fire truck and had weird costumes. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
1: so that was really fun. It was my first mosh pit ever, and it was really packed, and I was way too small to be packed into a mosh pit. And I had... I thought it was really cool and goth back then, and it wore multiple belts, you know, one to hold my pants up and one to look cool. Right. And this guy in front of me had one of those um, carabiner belt clips for his keys, and his carabiner got locked on to my belt buckle, and so we were attached, and we we're in the middle of a mosh pit trying to detach each other. <laughs> well, covered in you know fake
2: blood sprayed from the stage, though. So. Oh, what a great memory! Memorable. Yeah, that's Memorable what it's all about. Clothes, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> probably a lot of chain wallets flying around I did not have a chain
1: wallet wall, but, okay. but there were flying around yeah
2: <laughs> those are the dangerous parts <laughs> yeah. of the mosh pit chain wallets you gotta dangerous watch out for those yeah. <laughs> fun. Uh, dangerous fun dangerous Reggie in the Full Effect though I've always thought that was a great name for a band yeah it's songs about
1: like Loch Ness Monster falling in love or they're getting divorced or something <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: okay Travis if you had to choose one mm-hmm. graphite or charcoal graphite
0: yeah, tell
2: us why. It's a texture thing. Okay, the
1: feeling of charcoal on paper uh, just kind of grinds my gears, and it does my students too. And so on. I can see that. And, but there's yeah. certain qualities that you can't get with anything else but charcoal. And so when I have to teach it, me and my students with those textural sensitivities, we just have to fight through it. Mm. You can't get a black as fast with anything
0: else but like charcoal. Yeah. Uh, hard or soft lead, then.
1: I started really loving hard pencils, like starting with a 3H when I would prepare a drawing. But I've softened up, and I might even go in with a 3B now. Okay. I, I think I'd, I just missed that blackness that I couldn't get with charcoal, but I wouldn't ever touch the charcoal.
0: You
1: know? <laughs> yeah. but I love the sheen that a charcoal yeah. drawing will put on there. You know, in the light, it just has that, catches the light. More mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's good stuff. Uh, how many times have you been up to the top of Seahill?
1: Countless times, I suppose, thousands. I, yeah.
0: um, I don't do
1: it very much anymore, but I used to always like, walk every single day, and it would be part of my route.
0: Yeah. And, of course, you've been through pre-2006 wildfire and yeah. post. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I find it's it's tougher to get up there now, you know, 13 years on from then or however long it's been. Yeah.
1: In elementary school, you could count on at least once a year, your PE teacher, Mr. English, you'd run you up, and just the whole class would run up um, yeah. the hill where King's Chair is, and then you'd you know, wander on the hill and then walk down Seahill, and you could get lost in the trees. Yeah, so many oh, trees. Yeah. You could get lost up there. Now, there's no yeah, getting lost. No. You just look around, and you know where you are. Mm-hmm. It kind of
0: feels like a different world, because I have yeah. those memories of, of um, oh, when it had trees up there, and yeah. exactly that. You could get lost. Well, well, one day in the future. That's right. Hopefully. 200 years What did Lucinda say? 50 <laughs> yeah, years Yeah, I just talked to Lucinda.
2: 1% of the trees she planted up there are, were Which was a good took number. A
0: yep. uh, number she was thrilled about, though. That's a good so, number? Yeah. Oh, wow. Out of like the was it 2,000 or 20,000 that we. That uh, all. It's definitely. I thought everybody it was planted. multiple thousands. Yeah. Yeah. So you get heck 1% out of that. Yeah, it's a good deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we're all about the trees on Seahill. Hill yep. we, for yeah. sure. More the better. Well, I think we've we've come to the end of it, Travis. And thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate talking to you every time I get get a chance to see you. And um, hope you had a good time too.
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah so thanks, Travis.